0: You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com. Maybe you've had a friend recommend a, a book or a movie to you, and you, you, you read it and you say, that was okay, but I mean it wasn't great. I don't know what they were so excited about. I, this wasn't, wasn't as big a deal to me. And you're a little disappointed. In Jonah chapter 4 we see that Jonah is let down. And Jonah isn't let down in the sense that something he was hoping would be special wasn't that special. Rather, Jonah is upset. And for you to appreciate him being upset with everything that's happened, you need to really get a grasp on what has brought Jonah to this moment in chapter 4. So let me just be clear and review for you really quick. Jonah chapter 1, God comes to Jonah, he says... Prophet Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to the people in Nineveh. Jonah immediately gets up and does the exact opposite of what God asked him to do. Instead of going to Nineveh, he goes down to Joppa, gets on a boat that will take him to Tarshish, which is in the opposite direction. Not only is it in the opposite direction, he was as far away from Nineveh as he could possibly fathom to get. Today we might say something like, he went to Timbuktu. He was going away from where God wanted to be, he was trying to get away. And so he goes down the Jaffa, goes down into this boat, goes down into the hull of this boat, and catches a nap in the bottom of the boat. Meanwhile, the ship is nearly torn apart in the sea because this great storm comes out of nowhere. And the ship's crew is terrified. They're experienced sailors, but they're terrified that their boat is going to be torn apart. So they're throwing everything overboard, trying to make the boat as light as possible. The captain comes down to the hull of the ship to find more stuff to throw overboard, and he finds Jonah sleeping. He says, What are you doing asleep? The boat's about to be torn apart. Come up and pray to your God. Jonah comes up and they get to talking to him and they figure out that he is the reason for this storm. That Jonah is the cause for this awful, raging sea that's about to tear the boat to pieces. They try to do a couple of things to make it to the shore. They can't make it, so they've decided they've got to throw Jonah overboard. And they throw Jonah into the middle of this raging sea. And Jonah thinks he's a goner. The sailors think he's a goner. But God graciously sends a big, giant fish to swallow Jonah, not, di- not digest him, but to save him and deliver him to the shore. Jonah chapter 2 gives us this incredible prayer that Jonah prays from the belly of the fish. Jonah is then vomited up from this fish onto the shore. God comes to him immediately in chapter 3 and verse 1 and says, Jonah, that thing I told you to do in chapter 1, let's do that now. Let's go to Nineveh. Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches a very simple sermon that they need to turn back from their sin, And the people respond. Nineveh has a revival. They have everyone put on sackcloth and ashes. They have everyone calling upon God. The king even puts out a decree that everyone's going to fast from food and water, even the cattle. And this is incredible. Now, the book of Jonah has been filled with many twists and turns, things that you wouldn't expect if you'd never heard the story before. The prophet... God's man does exactly opposite of what God wants him to do. He's thrown overboard and he's swallowed by a fish. The fish vomits him up on dry ground and God sends him still to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh, preaches this really simple, short message, and all of the people respond. And that point at the end of chapter three seems like the storybook ending, the Hollywood fairy tale ending to this whole story. But the book of Jonah keeps going. It doesn't end there. Because when all of those people respond to God, Jonah isn't happy. In fact, chapter four, verse one says this, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Like I said, Jonah wasn't just let down. He was upset. He was extremely displeased. He was very angry. And now Jonah's about to pour out his feelings in the next verse. And when he does, he reveals some stuff about himself. We get a really good snapshot of Jonah's real heart, who he really is in this moment, because he's upset and he just gets real for a moment, right? A comedian, uh, Dimitri Martin, said that if you want real photos of your friends, gather them together and say, let's take a picture and start counting. One, Two, three, four, five. Because when you first start counting, people are like, all right, we're going to count to three and take a picture. I'm going to get my nice smile on. Then you get to three, and you don't take the picture. You get to four, and they're kind of confused. They get to five, he says, and then people get real. Because <laughs> they go, what? And then you snap the picture. <laughs> and when we respond in anger, it's often a pretty good snapshot of our hearts. Anger can be an x-ray of our hearts and souls. And in Jonah's anger, we get to the heart of the matter. We see what was really going on, why he had done all of these things through the whole book. In chapter 4, we see Jonah's heart, what he really cares about, why he disobeyed. So let's look at verses 2 to 5. And he prayed. This is a prayer. Jonah prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah says, isn't this what I said? God, didn't I tell you this was going to happen? Therefore, now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. This past Christmas, uh, Rita Whitney gave me this Bible. It's from the 1800s. Found a newspaper clipping in it from 1903. This is an old, big Bible. And you know, if I wanted to seem really like spiritual and bookish, I could start (laughs) preaching from this, you know, carry it around. Maybe get some thick rim glasses to wear, a sport coat with you know like the patches on the elbows and everything. And I could really look the part. I'm like, look, I got this old big Bible. It'd be a way for me to play a part. And sometimes we can have these spiritual trappings, these things that we do to to look the part of a Christian, to be spiritual. And maybe this morning you didn't carry in the biggest Bible that your family owns, but maybe there were some other things you did to seem more spiritual than you really are. What we see in Jonah chapter 4 is that the Jonah in chapter 3 who goes and preaches what God had told him to do was someone who was doing the right thing but wasn't really right yet. You know, it would do me no good to carry around that big old Bible if I never read it, or more importantly, if I never took the truths that are in it and applied it to my heart. And here Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches this message, but his heart hasn't changed. You see, you can look the part without having a change of heart. That's what Jonah did. Jonah did what God asked him to do. God told him in the beginning, go to Nineveh. He disobeyed. He experienced punishment. He was asked again. And this time he said, I'm not going to be thrown back in the ocean. I'm going to go. But he was only going to avoid further punishment. He wasn't going because his heart was in it. I'm thankful that we have this outburst in Jonah chapter four. Because here in Jonah chapter four, we get, we get to see through Jonah's actions. We get to see the real heart of of the matter we get to see that the reason that jonah had disobeyed and the reason that jonah had acted the way that he did was because he didn't like nineveh he didn't want them to have a chance to turn from their sin jonah chapter 4 shows us that when jonah went to nineveh finally he went to a city that he didn't like and he preached a message to people telling that they needed to turn from their sins While he was secretly hoping that they wouldn't listen to him, he wanted them to burn. He wanted God to rain down fire and brimstone upon them. What Jonah chapter 4 shows us pretty clearly is that you can do right without being right, you can do the right thing without your heart being transformed. You can do the right thing because you kind of feel like you got to. You can do the right thing just to keep peace. You can do the right thing just so you don't get in any more trouble. But your heart's not really in it. Jonah had done what God commanded, but he didn't do it because he wanted to. He didn't do it with any joy. He didn't do it with any passion. He was only doing it out of obligation. He was only doing it because he had to. Chapter three shows us Jonah doing right, but chapter four shows us that Jonah's doing right, but he's not right. Something really wrong about Jonah's heart. And here's what I love about the ending of Jonah, and and I'm really tempted to get into my sermon for next week as we wrap up this. But God doesn't end the story here. It would be a lot more appealing of a story if he could just end it here. But God is not committed to storybook endings. I'll wrap it up a story in a nice way. God is committed to getting us right. And God was committed to getting Jonah right. And that's what we're going to see next week. But Jonah is real about the condition of his heart. And he's angry because God is showing mercy to the people of Nineveh. He didn't want God to show them mercy. He wanted God to rain down fire upon them. Jonah says, I knew it. I knew it. I knew that you were going to do this, God. God, I knew that you were gracious and merciful, and that if these people repented, that you would show them grace. And I don't like that, God. Now think about that. This is a real irony. Because in Jonah chapter 2, when he's been saved from the depths of the ocean, Jonah is praising God. But in Jonah chapter 4, when God has saved someone else from the depths of their mess, he's angry with God. You see, we really like grace when it's poured on us, and we're less of a fan of grace when it's poured on other people. Right? We feel like, yeah, show me mercy, but don't show them mercy. The guy who prays God for his mercy in chapter 2 is crying Yea, scolding against God for his mercy in chapter 4. You see, even in this moment, Jonah felt that his direct disobedience against God was not as big a deal as the sins of the Ninevites. He felt like, listen God, I know I've had my problems, but at least I'm not like them. And if we are honest, if we can have a moment of transparency like Jonah is having in this moment, we probably all said things like that, right? At least I'm not like so-and-so. And you know what? Just about everybody can say that. Just about everybody can say, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. And that guy says, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. And everybody says, at least I'm not as bad as Hitler, Right? I mean, sometimes we have to look pretty hard, but we can always find someone that was worse off than us. Jonah's saying, God, I can't believe you're showing these people grace. Jonah hated Nineveh. He hated the Ninevite people. And if you're feeling a little judgy of Jonah right now, he's hating these people. He doesn't want God to give him mercy. He wants God to punish them and rain fire down on them. Well, you should know Jonah had pretty good reason for hating the Ninevites. They were kind of awful. If you read through history on the Ninevites, they were an incredibly violent group of people. They were known for captives that they took in war for filleting them in the streets. They were cruel in their punishment of their enemies. In fact, if you look back at chapter 3 and verse 8, when the king says we all need to turn from our sin, he literally says we need to turn from the mischief and violence in our hands. The king is acknowledging the reason that we're about to be punished by God is because we've been so violent and awful. We've been so bad. They recognized, they acknowledged the fact that they had been horrible. They were terrorists, if you will. Some of you, you've got some people that you don't particularly care for. And you feel absolutely justified in your feelings about them. Jonah felt absolutely justified in his feelings about the Ninevites. So much so that he scolds God for being gracious now we have all probably been in a situation where we're pretty sure we're right and we're willing to argue because we're so sure that we're right have you ever been so sure that you're right that you're willing to argue with god about how right you are that's what jonah's doing he's saying i mean this is a prayer jonah prays i knew this would happen god I know that you're gracious and you're merciful and that you would repent from this wicked judgment, punishment that you were going to do. I knew that you would turn from it. That's the reason I didn't want to come. Because I knew that you're gracious. I didn't want to show them any grace. Some of you, you feel absolutely justified in your sin. You feel absolutely justified in your racism. You feel absolutely justified in your affairs. You feel absolutely justified in your greed. You feel absolutely justified in cheating on your taxes. You feel absolutely justified in the lie that you told. And you've got reasons. Pastor Daniel, the only reason I'm doing that is because, well, because of what they did. Pastor Daniel, the reason I'm doing that is well, you just don't know my situation. Pastor Daniel, I'm doing that, but I'm making it up for it over here. Jonah felt absolutely justified in the sin that he was committing. Nobody feels completely unjustified in their hatred. Nobody walks around saying, yeah, I hate so-and-so, and I don't even really know why, I just hate him. No, they got reasons. They can build an argument why you should hate them too. Jonah felt completely justified in his hatred of the Ninevites. And if you feel justified in your sin, you need to be careful because those justifications are leading you into further and further sin. Those justifications are leading you further and further down a pathway to destruction. Jonah says, I knew that you were going to do this, God. And his justifications of how awful the Ninevites are and how bad they are, and how they don't deserve God's grace and God's mercy, leads him to the point where he puts his finger in God's face and says, "I know that you're going to do this." You see, the end result of blaming others for our sin is that eventually we find fault with God. Think about think about Adam and Eve in the garden. God places them in this beautiful paradise. Don't eat of this one tree. And they mess up, right? They eat of that one tree. God comes looking for them. He calls for Adam. Adam is hiding. God says, Adam, why did you hide? Because I ate of the tree that I wasn't supposed to, God. Adam, why did you eat of the tree? And who did Adam blame? He blamed Eve, right? he started a long line of traditions of blaming your spouse. <laughs> but do you remember exactly what Adam said? He said, the woman you gave me, God, she gave to me to Eve. Now, he's blaming Eve directly, but there's also some indirect blame he's pointing at God. The woman you gave to me, God. And if we go down this pathway of justifying our sin because of the actions of someone else, we'll find ourselves blaming God and waving our finger in God's face. You know, there's a lot of talk today about the the victim culture that we have today, that everybody is a victim. That's nothing new, that is not new. When Adam got called on the carpet, he was a victim. Jonah's hatred, it's it's because of the Ninevites. And that is something that that we all play. Well, the reason that I did that is because my boss is kind of a jerk. And the reason that I kind of stepped outside of the boundaries of our marriage is because my wife isn't really doing the things that I would like for her to do. And the reason that I didn't tell Uncle Sam about that money is because, because, you know, I do good things with my money, and I help people. And this justification puts us in a place where we're deciding what is right and wrong based upon our situation. And you know what you do when you set yourself up as the one who decides what is right and wrong? You take the place of God. And it's a whole lot easier to point your finger in God's face and blame him when you've kind of stepped into his spot and you've been the one deciding what is right and what is wrong. Jonah feels so strongly about this that he not only argues with God about it, but in the next verse he says, God, I'd be better off dead. That's what he says in verse three, Lord, take my life. I would rather die than see the Ninevites receive your grace and your mercy. Now, when he does this, it, it harkens us back to another prophet named Elijah. And Elijah also had a scenario where he said, God, take me. I, I just, I can't handle it anymore. I'd rather die than face this. But when Elijah did this, Elijah was distraught over how evil was progressing And no one seemed to be keeping evil at bay. Jonah is this upset because grace is winning. And Jonah has gotten things so backwards that he is heartbroken over grace winning. What happens here in chapter 4 is it shows us The underlying premise of this whole book. The reason that Jonah has done all of these things that he has done. The reason that he has disobeyed God like he has. It's because of his heart. Because of this bitterness and this hatred that he has kindled in his heart. And when his heart was not in the right place, he could not do the right thing. We get to the heart of the matter in Jonah chapter 4, and the heart of the matter is what's the matter with Jonah's heart. It's what's wrong with his heart. And whatever I preach to you, and whatever you hear from me this morning or any Sunday morning, what we got to get to is what's broken with your heart. What's wrong with your heart? I'm not doing you any favors if you learn to come in with a big Bible every Sunday and to look the part, and to do right, if you've not been made right. If what is the matter with your heart hasn't been fixed. So Jonah, Jonah gives this long complaint to God. And how does God respond? Look at verse 5, or verse 4, sorry. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? Jonah gives this long argument complaint and God says is that really a good idea is it good to be angry Jonah how's that working out for you Jonah when I was in uh, high school and college my soccer coach he, he moonlighted as a as a tile installer and he would hire some of us students to, to help him his name was Brian Brian's a great guy. I learned a lot from Brian. If you were ever doing something that was just absolutely wrong, Brian would walk up and he'd say, what you doing? And whenever Brian said, what you doing? You knew like, oh, I've messed up something. This isn't the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> Jonah says, I can't believe you're doing this, God. This is awful. I can't believe you're being so gracious and merciful. Just take my life. And God says, Jonah, what are you doing? Do you do well to be angry? Is this making sense? How's this working out? And if you're justifying your sin, if you're justifying how angry you are, if you're justifying the sin that you're practicing, I think God just looks at you and says, how's that working? What, what, are, you, what are you doing? At the end of chapter 4, God makes it pretty clear that he's committed to helping Jonah get right. And that's what God is committed to in each and every one of your lives. But first he asks you, how is this working? Is there something that's missing? Is there something that isn't right? Is there something that is the matter with your heart? And if we'll get honest about that, God can fix, God will fix what is broken in our hearts. So whatever sin it may be, and whatever justification you may use, God says, "Is that good? Do thou doest well to be angry? Do thou doest well?" To be dishonest? Do thou doest well to be greedy? Do thou doest well to be envious? Do thou doest well to cheat? Do thou doest well? Is that working? And if you're willing to admit this morning that it's not, you it can make all the difference. We sang earlier about God working on us from the inside out. That's what's got to happen. Jonah went and obeyed God and did what God asked, but there was something still amiss in here. And it may be that you are doing all of the right things. You're doing everything that you've been asked to. You've done everything you're commanded to, but there's something that's still amiss in here. The reason the book of Jonah was written was so that Jews who felt so superior in their nationality and in their practices would realize that you can be a Jew and do all the right things and still be a mess. That's the reason that at the beginning of Jonah, Jonah, the Jewish prophet of God, is the one who's an absolute mess, while the pagan ship's crew is the one that's worshiping God. That's the reason why in chapter 3, It's the pagan Ninevites who have not been followers of God are fasting and praying and calling out to him. And it's Jonah who is upset and crying out. And it may be that you have grown up in church and been around the the message of the gospel all of your life. And you've had everything about this life handed to you in tradition. And you've done the right things. But there's something that's still the matter in your own heart. Like Jonah's. And God says... You've done what's been asked, but do you do well? Do you do well? Let's bow our heads forward of prayer.